Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Things can feel a little cutthroat, you know, but there's so there's such a wider audience out there just waiting to discover role-playing games and 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 I know they're going to have so much fun with it that I think it shouldn't be a problem to, like you say, treat people fairly. And my name is Jeremy Gage, and welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast. This is an educational show involving all things tabletop role playing industry. Listen alongside me as we hear from creators, entrepreneurs, and supporters about their personal best practices, principles, and philosophies. I encourage anyone from the budding game designer to a seasoned publisher and everyone in between to sit down with us and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming to the Draw Your Dice podcast. My name is Jeremy Gage, as you heard the intro. But as always, the show is never about me. It is about who I have brought to you. And today I have brought to you an illustrator, a game designer, a lover of the rodent variety of mammals, I would like to welcome to the show, Chris Sellers. Hi, hi, hi. Really happy to be here. (laughs) Thank you for being here, Chris. It's an absolute pleasure. You bet. So thanks to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. As always, for the opening of this show, would you just give a brief introduction of who you are, how you present yourself to the internet, you know, please provide any links or resources so that people can get in touch with you or buy your stuff, because I would love for you to make dollars. Sure. Yeah. Hi. So my name is Chris. My pronouns are he, him. I am online at hecticelectron.com and... Everywhere that I am, I'm at Hectic Electron, Twitter, Instagram, itch.io, and I, I I make role-playing games and sometimes make board games and video games and comics, and yeah, uh, that's me. 
I love it. I'm here for it. Additionally, as an icebreaker for the listeners, would you also give sort of a RPG lineage for yourself or game lineage of like when you start getting invested in playing tabletop games and what was like the first spark that caused you to start designing something? So, well, okay. So I first got into role-playing games back with Advanced Dungeons and Dragons version, you know, first edition, and then dabbled in other things like RuneQuest and Ninja Turtles and other weirdness that I think Palladium made. And first started wanting to make a game, I want to say... After after getting into Gumshoe Games by Pelgrane Press and sort of wanting to adapt that system, and and then when I got into Powered by the Apocalypse, it just seemed like such a a, a ready toolkit for making stuff that my mind started popping off with all these ideas. So so I want to say that was maybe five years ago or more but it, it you know it's, it's a lot easier to sort of start with like make an adventure or make an adaptation and 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 that's what i started with the the, the sort of hack book of pelgrane's ashen stars game which is a a lovely space opera sort of dark and gritty space opera and mm-hmm. and i did a, a hack that that was very more about sort of space crime and wrote a couple other adventures and chose raccoons to get into the actual making of a game from soup to nuts. <laughs> I I love it. I, I'm here for it. Maybe the raccoons chose me. <laughs> <laughs> they always do. Well, amazing. <laughs> I I that what an amazing lineage that is. Advanced D&D. I've I've never touched it. I've oh, never man. read it yet. Wow. Like I don't know I, I know zero about it other than Elf was a class, but that's about it. And right? Thango, yeah. And mysterious Thango. Yeah. I, I, I think that was like Dungeon. Sorry, what? Say again. Oh, Thango. I, okay. I was yeah. just saying that I. Th- yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's D and think they, in hindsight, didn't really know what they were opening up what they started. Maybe they did. Who knows? I, I, I don't know. Arneson and guy, his hearts, but they, 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 you know, it's, it starts with this tactical game. It's very war game based. And it's like almost an afterthought of like, what if we told the stories of what these people were doing when they weren't fighting dragons and, and and God bless them, but that wargaming start, you know, where they're really coming out of a, a, a scene with the little miniatures uh, a certain number of inches away from each other and stuff, like that has been, as a lot of people know, you know, in, in role-playing games, it's DNA ever since. And it's not really what draws me to role-playing games. So I really like the story games more. But but God bless them for starting it going, however we got started. Yeah, Thaco is totally weird. I I got the Monster Manual when I was 12, and that was a long time ago. And it was, I think they didn't really know what they were doing. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it comes out of this 
wargaming tradition where it's like they started imagining what what if we imagined what these characters were doing when they weren't fighting dragons or whoever and it, it's just it's just kind of lovely i mean maybe they knew what they're doing i don't know what was in their hearts but it, it was for better or worse that wargaming is now in D's dna and has had this big impact on the rest of the of, of the of the scene of, of the the medium and it's it's i it's nice to finally be getting into more story games, things that are trying to simulate a genre of story instead of simulate a battle or, or real-world physics or anything like that. But it's, it, it, it's just so weird. Just, I, I just, when, I, when I opened up that book and I saw the owl bears and demons and, and land sharks and stuff, I just – and the idea that it was just a kit – for telling your own stories is just so great. So I'll always be grateful to Dungeons and Dragons, even though it's way too crunchy for my <laughs> taste. And and I don't care about attacks of opportunity. I don't care about Seiko. <laughs> you know. And in the I want to say nineties, eighties and nineties, I had to wade through a lot of simulationist games like GURPS mm. and stuff, mm-hmm. where it was all about how far would an arrow fly? What kind of arc would it fall in or whatever? And I just don't, it's not worth the trouble anyway for me. So I, I'm, I'm very happy with where RPGs are now and this sort of golden age we have Aww. going on. It's just so great. What was your, uh, what was your favorite advanced D&D character? I, I, I think my, favorite was a i don't even remember back then like i was running games and i had a ranger you know some guy who was sort of aragorn light but my favorite character that's almost D, which is was a pathfinder character that technically was a kitsune swashbuckler Ooh. and and i i was getting into all the little mini games that pathfinder put together like like swashbucklers have a panache system and you sort of build up points of panache and spend them on cool moves and again still too crunchy for my taste but i i I do kind of like little mini games Mm -hmm. uh, if they're elegantly done and so he was very much the disney robin hood fox and (laughs) say ha ha i will save you people who did not need saving you know and and as his character got more experienced he got more tales because students have these magical mm-hmm. abilities so so he's probably the closest thing to a favorite D character that i have oh i love that i love that so much god now i'm trying to remember what my first D character was i think it was a monk i think it was a silent monk uh-huh uh-huh that just uh-huh. worked for someone silent. else yeah so i didn't talk i did not i used as much like what do you call it body comedy Physical comedy? Yeah, as uh-huh. much physical comedy <laughs> as possible to illustrate any points I needed to make. Did you uh, not even talk as a player? Or no. just your character? No, really? Yeah. Wow. Well, I did do, like, when it came down to combat, I did have to, like, uh-huh. give intent of my actions. <laughs> but I, my brother played, like, a like a gangster ringleader sort of rogue uh-huh. character, and we were, we were buddied up. So nice. did a lot of the nice. talking for me. Oh, great. Great, cool, wow, that sounds awesome. I always like I always like duo characters. That's what I strive to always make when I play games. 
the character I remember most from those early, early days of Dungeons and Dragons was my brother's character, who was some sort of Viking warrior. And I was running the games, and I clearly was not making them hard enough because <laughs> we were just figuring out these rules for our own. And 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 he quickly sort of maxed out any you know he, his character just got got maxed out where suddenly he had the wand of Asmodeus and he was wow. ascending to Norse demigodhood and <laughs> and there was just no point in playing him anymore because there was nothing he couldn't do you know when, when I'm running him through just different characters from deities and demigods uh, uh, book and he's just killing gods it's like oh god okay fine yeah <laughs> clearly I was I, I, had, I missed something but but it was probably more fun that way because if it had just been me as the dungeon master trying to kill his character, that's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's when you twist the knife and make him the calamity. It's like, ooh, you're gonna bring Ragnarok, ah. sick dude. Oh, nice. Yes, <laughs> yes. You're too strong, and the world can't handle you anymore. So uh, figure that oh, out. That's it. That's the way to go with it. Totally, young yeah. Chris. <laughs> I feel like we have so many more narrative tools available to us now than we did. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of those narratives and tools and junk mm-hmm. with uh, Raccoon Sky Pirates. Yeah, Chris? Yeah, yeah, you bet. You so bet. why don't you give a brief introduction of the game and sort of what players do in it? Because you'll do a much better job than I will at, at introducing the game. Sure, yeah. You are a raccoon. And <laughs> you live in the junkyard, which is pretty sweet. There's lots of cool trash, but you know that there's other trash out there. And so you and your friends, all raccoons, build an implausible flying ship out of junk from the junkyard. And it's messy and probably spews a lot of smoke and it's not, it's not very sturdy, but it's beautiful. It's, it's yours. And you're going to fly it from the junkyard across town to the suburbs, you're going to pick a house and steal all its stuff. And then you're going to try not to wake up the residents and you're going to try uh, to outwit the neighborhood watch and make it back to the junkyard with your trash and without blowing up (laughs) because the ship's constantly in danger of blowing up. And that's it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. What a what a distilled pitch, honestly. It's it's yeah. It's and there's more to it, obviously, than that. But yeah, yes, uh, yes, yes. It, it's it, that's that's the nutshell. Yeah, there are a couple of of really cool things going on in here. But I, sort of the first thing I I generally ask in in these sorts of interviews, why this game? Why did you make it? What was the what was sort of the sparking thought? In the fall of 2020. Our dogs woke us up, my partner and me, and were going crazy. And they 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 ran to the upstairs door that goes out onto our little balcony thing. And I didn't see them, but my partner did, and the dogs sure did. But but out there on this little balcony was like a half dozen raccoons Whoa. who were picking up little cups and turning them over and, and, and looking at them and putting them back down and pooping in the flower pots and scratching around at things and trying to get inside, scratching at the door. And our dog, one of our dogs is like sticking his nose at the crack in the bottom of the door, huffing raccoon. And 
I didn't see any of this, but my partner's like, how did you not see all the raccoons? I was half asleep, but they sounded so organized, too strong a word, but they sounded so deliberate and they sounded like, like they must've shimmied down an anchor chain to get onto our, our, our back balcony and a thing and and it sounded like there was nothing they couldn't have done if they had gotten inside so it was maybe a way of making up for not having seen them i i, I put this game together wow what yeah. just like a such a unique experience became a game i don't yeah. think anyone else could have written this you know what i mean like just one of those <laughs> right. things where very serendipitous it's a very serendipitous event for uniquely you, Chris, I have not <laughs> encountered too many. I've encountered one raccoon in my life. And I just, we were out camping and came in from the woods of my grandpa's cabin up in the Tyanesta Mountains in PA. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, just what crazy, like smart yet clumsy creatures yes. to watch. It's, it's actually insane. The dichotomy that is housed within <laughs> One being, I mean, then humans, but we make very much assumptions about animals and their intelligence. And sometimes I'm like, man, there's got to be just a whole nother world happening that we're not even able to comprehend when it comes to animals like this. They are Uh, so smart. They are, they're ungainly, uh, but they're so smart. And they, I just, yeah, my hat is off to raccoons. Yeah, Um, absolutely. (laughs) MVP animal of 2021. (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah totally yeah um, so uh so the game does a lot of lot of cool things here and there are a couple things i'm interested in, in discussing as always everyone if you're listening to this i highly recommend going to go check out the game uh, you can find it on chris's website at hecticelectron.com which will be in the show notes but one thank you so much for paying uh, a humbleness to the d uh, the d12 my favorite dice the sweet <laughs> sweet small boulder how i guess one thing that wasn't clear to me when i was reading it initially but i would love to learn a little bit more about how do the approaches work for the oh also quick cool thing i love about this game is the specific character playbooks not like archetypes but like playing as like rad the cockroach and everything like that i i think that it's a very cool very cool thing to do but how could you explain the way that you do the approaches in the game yeah yeah so you're playing a raccoon as we've established and that means you don't really know what you're going to do from one moment to the next so what you do is random you at each character sheet there's six raccoons and there's also six possums and six other trash animals like Rad, the indestructible cockroach. And each one of these <laughs> has a different list of 12 possible actions at the bottom of the character sheet. And you, you, you roll to see what you're going to do. You roll a d12. But before you roll, you, in addition to 12 actions, every character has three approaches to doing something that that you pick from before you roll. So Brisket Jack, the raccoon, has cunning, deft, and stylish. The the way you're trying to do something is one of those things. And and so you say, okay, I'm going to pick uh, stylish, and you roll. And if the action that you end up rolling, so I could roll a a, a six or, or a five, which is 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 cut something or tie something together, and that is tagged with one or more actions. That's tagged with cunning and deft. If it's tagged with 
an action that with the action that I said I was, or sorry, with the type of the approach that I said I was using before I rolled, then it ends up being a helpful action. You describe how you did what you set out to do. If it's not tagged with the approach that you picked, then it's an unhelpful action and things go wrong. Things go bad. So uh, you have a, a 50, 50 chance of, of your action being tagged with the approach that you picked and it, 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 things could go well, things could go horribly comically wrong. And there are other, there, there, there's a way that you can finesse it if, if you, if you want to, to try to make things go right anyway. But the basic idea is you pick your approach, but you don't know if that approach is going to be what you actually, you know, the action that you actually. Do. It's so interesting because you could name these approaches for the actions and lean into it. I think what that's what mm-hmm. is really smart about this is, is just, as you said, I want to approach this stylishly, right? So I roll and if I succeed, I just disca- I describe how stylishly I do the thing. Or if I fail, it's how did my stylishness sort of get in the way or how do I stylishly fail? Or there's a lot of different that's interpretations it. that can take on. Right. So I think that's very beautiful. And I love sort of the way you've developed a system that leans into randomness, right? I think a lot of the time we're trying to like hedge our bets in different games that have random outcome generators like D&D, PBTA, Iron Sworn, stuff like that. Uh, All have ways to sort of like use stats to manipulate the outcomes. But what I, 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 it just all very thematically fits together. And I think it is the most like, adorably cool thing and it's adorable because it's attached to raccoons not because it's like cutesy but <laughs> i love it adorable. it's great they are cool. kind of adorable when they're not yeah, uh, full of teeth and trying to yeah. bite at something thanks well yeah i i was I, I i i like the idea of the randomness with this I, I like the idea of things going wrong it's fun if things go wrong there's a it's it's a pretty goal-oriented game. You want to get stuff. You want to get back to the junkyard. But if things go badly, it, it, it has, at least playtests I've done, it's been hilarious. What was sort of the inspiration for a system, if any, you know, you could have made this whole cloth, but like, were there any inspirations for developing a system like this? Was, was it easy to find a, like a random actions mechanic? It was, the, the random actions part was easy but putting enough guardrails in so that people have so players have guidance as to how to narrate it that was hard mm-hmm. like like i i started this game as a, a a six page and it was everybody had the same 12 actions at the time and just having 12 actions that you roll randomly that was easy but then people were like well how do i know if i'm ra- if I should be amping up the chaos at this point, or if I'm, something else more constructive has happened. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up putting in a lot of structure, half of which I ended up having to take out because I put in so much. I was <laughs> like, well, you know, I, I didn't want to leave it. it. It was not playing well for people to have to decide for themselves whether what they did was helpful or not. And then I put in a whole bunch of stuff of, of structure to where my friends were like, this isn't actually a role-playing game anymore. It's a board game. You know, it was all it was all mechanics, and so I took some of it out and tried to, to leave in just enough where people have guidance about how to narrate the thing, but still have 
the freedom for what they narrate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think it, I think you've really chef kissed the heck out of it <laughs> like, uh, at this at this stage. You also have some. Well, on the subject of structure, the way you sort of like break up the narrative scenes, right? There's sort of like a, a pacing mm-hmm. that you've instilled into the game, basically like challenges log, if you will. At least that's my interpretation mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Was that something that was a part of that, like, I need to add more structure to the game sort of thing? Or did that come like during creation? And that why a, why yeah. settle on all of that? That was a relatively early uh, bit of structure that that always seemed to to work pretty well um from as soon as i put it in it was the idea that 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 there are phases to the game you're flying to the the house you're trying to get into the house you're in the house stealing all the stuff and then you're trying to get back and that was that just made it easier to know since there is no no game master you know everybody's a raccoon Mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you're playing other trash animals but everybody's a, everybody's a trash animal and and that was something that i was that was sort of be in my bonnet ever since i read dream askew by every mm-hmm. alder and dream apart by ben rosenbaum that was like i loved the sort of devolution of authority to all the players at the table where it's not one person who's running things so in order to do that it really to work well to have clear scenes where you know where you are at the start of it and you know when to end it and when to move the story forward. And I, you know, I'm a bit biased because I love stuff like that. I love sort of that, not only structure, but also finality of the game, Mm -hmm. right? Because the game ends when you successfully or maybe not successfully (laughs) get back to the junkyard. Right. So there's Mm -hmm. definitely like stop point. I'm like a little less of a fan of like, the classic meandering D&D 5e campaign where you're like hoping for level 20, but you fizzle out at level 13 or whatever uh-huh. have you. And that's not uh-huh. always super satisfying for me as a player. So I love, I love games like this. I love games with victory conditions, basically. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think it works well for this one. I'm, I'm ambivalent about victory conditions writ large Mm-hmm. because I still want there to be room to tell that story. But but I, it's super useful in a lot of kinds of stories mm-hmm. to know when something went well and when something didn't. And like you say, to, to, to know when you've reached your goal or mm-hmm. have definitively not reached your goal. And that, that, that can be interesting too. Yeah, I love the sort of catharsis of it mm. slash also like goal accomplishment like feeling like there is progression i guess the the big caveat for me not loving like the meandering style of play is that there's no real sense of like objective clearing because it always it's always mm-hmm. one mastermind under the other one it always the the web always <laughs> goes deeper than uh-huh. uh, you want it to and so yeah, yeah that uh, can be hard yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely like a pacing thing in addition to that. Were there pacing? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, pacing absolutely. Were there? We talked a little bit about this off mic, everyone, but were there any sort of board game elements? Because you sort of, that was sort of like your kit and caboodle before moving into this space. To my understanding, were there any like yeah. board game elements you brought into this? Definitely the sort of the sense of you're going to you know, this is what you're going to do now, or this is, you know, these, these are your circumscribed options. And there's, there's a deck of cards that I brought into it 
where mm-hmm. you can you you everybody has a hand of cards at the start of each scene and you if you want to make an unhelpful action be helpful anyway like we were talking about earlier you can mm-hmm. play a card but you can only do that once per scene so little bits of structure like that that first of all the physical components that's very board gamey in a way and and then the the sense of okay you can play a card but only once per scene that is, is 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 sort of board gamey, and then there were other things that I had in before that I've I backed away from. I don't even remember what those were anymore. <laughs> where it was like leaning heavily on the structure and and dialing down the sort of pl- player agency, and I'm happy to have sort of backed away from that a little bit more and put more player agency in there. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm, oh, and there's uh, a there's a there's sort of a board too. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. Inter- interrupt me. It's about you, not me. There's a board. There's a, well, well, there's a couple boards. There's the neighborhoods map, where mm-hmm. you go from one part of the one neighborhood, starting in the junkyard, through the these commercial and industrial districts, to wind up at one or more suburbs. You can go through a strip mall and all these other places, and, and there's just sort of little. Uh, hook ideas in each one of the things that you could encounter if you want to. Although there's, unless you're playing like a later game where your raccoons have been leveling up, so to speak, there's, there's not much incentive to stop along the way because it's just a chance for more things to go wrong. But so there's that <laughs> board, which is the neighborhood's map. And then there's a, a, a map of each of the houses. And, you know, I mean, the, 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 the dividing line between maps and boards, I think, is really gray and fuzzy. Maps are a D&D staple from way back, and boards are like, what? That's, no, that's not what we're doing. But there are house maps that I got from various architectural firms, and you, you're encouraged in the game to put a little marker for each raccoon in one or more of the rooms so that you know what room you're in when things go bad, uh, when things start going <laughs> wrong. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. I love sort of the, I like maps that are the in-between of the granular grid and the theater of the mind, like the imaginative mm-hmm. play space. And I love mm-hmm. sort of like the zones concept that come, like I've experienced mm-hmm. with things from like Fate and I think there's another game that uses it. Can't remember. Um, yeah. Also oh, Hyperlight Drifter does it. something like that. Say I'm sorry? Who does ha- Hyperlight Drifter, it's by Metal oh. Weed Games. Oh, okay. uh, they have like sort of a more abstracted combat board with like, it's a three by three grid, but it's supposed to represent larger spaces. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think, I think Hollow Earth Expedition does some stuff with zone. They're pretty fast moving, which I like. I love it. Um, for, like, what is your, what is your favorite piece of design? for this game like what what's your sort of precious darling i I think just because i was such at the end of my tether with the with the random actions thing that when i finally came up with the approaches that was i'll just always be grateful to approaches for for giving me a way of making a, a, a a game where things are random but it still matters what you do and i i i think a second to that is is I like that every 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 character has a different list of twelve actions that are thematic for that character to mm-hmm. help you imagine that character and sort of their archetype or what they bring. Mm-hmm. If, if raccoons can have archetypes, what they bring to it. <laughs> hey, I'm here for Brisket Jack every day of the week. You know what I mean? <laughs> what a sick name! 
<laughs> Thanks. My partner came up with that one. I thought it was inspired. There's also a little icon on each of the complication cards. Mm-hmm. And if you if 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 you end up having an unhelpful action and the the you have to mark a problem. There's a short list of problems in the house or in the ship. And if you if you have to mark a problem and you see that there's a correspondence between the next problem and one of the cards that's on the on the table, then you have to mark that problem also. And mm. things can spiral out of control in that way. So in that way, playing complications cards is borrowing trouble, and you know it's sort of sort of a push your luck kind of thing. And I that pretty well. I love it. That's super cool. Only because I didn't know that because I haven't like seen the decks, and so I I think that's that's wicked awesome. They're coming in December. Hey, <laughs> uh, that, December, was, that was such a. I really got in over my head with this Kickstarter. I mean, I'm so <laughs> happy with how it turned out, but I was like, and I'll have cards, and I'll have dice, and that means they won't be ready till December. But <laughs> <laughs> these are the choices I made. That's right. That's right. Don't do what I did. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's all good. It's great, but yeah, it's been a it's been a ride. Yeah, how was the Kickstarter experience for this game for you? This was my first Kickstarter, and Ooh. I it was I I didn't know what was going to happen, you know, and so <laughs> I was like, well, I'll it was it was a Zine Quest, so it was perfect mm-hmm. for me. It was it it was great timing because I had come up with this game like. The November before in 2020, so February 2021 came around, and I ran this, this Zine Quest Kickstarter. I was like, okay, it's a Zine. I can keep my expectations low. I can have a modest goal. I think it was a thousand dollars, and and then I I I didn't know if I was going to fund or anything because I'd never done it before. Nobody knew me. Nobody still nobody knows who I am. <laughs> and, and so and then I was like, I blew past that really quickly. I funded in, in like eight hours, and I was so psyched. And then I was like. Oh no! I need to have stretch goals. Oh, oh. no! Um, <laughs> and you know, it's a great, it's a, I mean, it's a lovely problem to have. I'm not complaining at all. But, but like, I, I was like, okay, the first two stretch goals will be added game design, like like campaign play and uh, mm. additional trash animals past the original six raccoons. A big, a lot of p- love for possums out there. So, yeah. so crew of possums was definitely part of that, and and then. Even the writing stretch goals ended up being hard to do because coming up with two rats and two pigeons and two roaches as well as all the possums, it was that was a challenge. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, okay. And then for the next stretch goal, I was just, I, 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 I hadn't planned for success. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was, it's, it can be very hard, right, to manage your own expectations and to think, okay, okay, I'll be fine if this doesn't fund. I'll be fine if it doesn't fund. But then to also be able to hold in your mind at the same time, okay, but what if it does really well, is I think more than I was just ready to do, right, conceptually. So, like, I'm in this heady space of, hey, yeah, I funded, woo, that I was, that's the mindset I was in, like a little manic when I was thinking, Oh, I'll make all these stretch goals. I did not seriously think I would reach them. So I was like, I'll make a deck of cards and I'll have a, a 12-sided die with a raccoon on it and <laughs> a raccoon on one of the faces. And 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 then those funded and I love it. I'm so grateful. It's great. But I had not, for instance, sourced where cards or dice get made. And so it turns out, I'm pretty sure there's only one place on planet Earth where you can get a custom 12-sided die made that actually has 
something other than numbers on some of the faces or has custom numbers for that matter. And I think that's Q Workshop in Poland. If anybody else knows of another place, I'm certainly happy to learn more about them. Although Q Workshop has been really great and the the work they've shown me has, has looked really cool. But but it means that, you know, since there's just the one place, I'm kind of beholden to their schedule and their schedule in the second half of 2021 is a lot different than what it was in like February of 2021. And so I'm waiting until December. Like they'll probably get them to me in late November and then I'll be able to send them out to backers. Yay. Yay. And, and, and so it's really great, but it's like planning for a, a Kickstarter is really hard. Like, I just want to say that. Obviously, I'm not saying anything new. But like, I was talking to Avery Alder, who has been a really great sort of mentor for me. And and one of the things she said was just, just two things she said, don't feel like you have to give the backers more than you already promised, which is, it's like she knows me. The other thing was, was please, please, please make sure you take shipping into account. And I did not take shipping into account. No. <laughs> I did when I when I launched the backer kit and stuff like for, for add-ons. But but I was like, everyone who backed at the printed level is gonna get cards and dice. It'll be fine. It'll be great. And I, I feel like I'm just watching the the more you know star and rainbow go across <laughs> my screen all the time. Of yeah. like the living and learning. It's great. I I I'm I'm so jazzed to be in this spot, but yeah, the shipping is, is expensive. Wow. Uh, and so not yeah. getting better. And not no, getting better. no, it's getting so weird out there. So I know that these are like not earth shattering things to learn, but it's, I think it's the simple stuff really that, that tends to trip me up. I mean, I, part of the show is that we welcome all experiences here so you know if no one's listening to the earlier episodes this may be the first episode they listen to right right okay fair yeah 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 Yeah. so so i you know i love fulfilling this designing games and i love the point where a concept becomes something that's actually tactile something you can hold in your hands and so that's it's 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 just such a, a a wonderful experience yes Yes, Chris. We love it here. <laughs> Truly. I'm happy for your success. Thank you. Um, well, amazing. I mean, is there is there anything you want to leave the guests with as far as like Raccoon Sky Pirates? Anything like the shipbuilding or anything like that? Uh, yeah, the shipbuilding is is uh that that's that's a fun part of it. You 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 pick from pick list of a a, a home appliance a wrecked car and a amusement park ride. And there's a pick list for each one of those. And, and each of those gives you something else you can do with your ship. And then your ship is just made of all this other junk that you sort of discover in flight. And you can you just keep glomming stuff on and find uses for trash. There's infinite uses for trash. Infinite. Yeah. Infinite yeah. uses. Well, Become a raccoon, become a sky pirate, build a ship that doesn't really work sometimes. Get the game. Just check it out. Check out Raccoon Sky Pirates at hecticelectron.com near you. Thanks. Yes, please do. Let me know, and let me know what you think.
So, Chris, in this segment of the show is sort of trends, tips, tricks, topics, whatever have you, of things that you're interested in exploring, talking about uh, inside of the tabletop space. Are you still there, Chris? Uh, You're breaking up again. Hello, Chris. Hi, I'm here. Okay, I can hear you. Cool, 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 cool. Sorry, you were There's a little up. offline yeah. scare. So, Chris, in this section is a little bit of like a trends, tips, tricks situation of things that you're interested in talking about in the tabletop space. I know that when we sort of got the questionnaire through, you wanted to sort of talk about the community around the queer game design space and things like Big Bad Con and Gen Con and Origins. And you haven't been to Big yeah. Bad Con yet, correct? Right. No, I haven't been yet. I'm super looking cool. forward to it. Yeah. So, yeah. What like? What is it about the community that you love so much? Oh, it's just so wonderful. It's. I think there's there's so much love and camaraderie in this community, and so much cool design spaces being opened up. You know, a big part of the appeal of role-playing games for me is the chance to imagine myself as somebody else and kind of explore new parts of me as a result. And I think I'm seeing that so much in the queer role-playing game community. It's, it's you know, there's there's so much exploration in the queer community in general in terms of new ways of being, new gender roles to take on, or busting up gender roles completely, and letting your hair down, letting yourself be more fully a way you might not be able to be in, in uh, the sort of larger community. And it's like, it's like, it's like role-playing games just dovetail with that so well. So I love it. And, and that there's such a a golden age going on of of new kinds of role playing games coming out. I see that being I, I, I see that that banner being carried to a large degree by queer role playing game designers, and maybe and that's you, just because that's they're who I'm following more. But <laughs> there's such neat new modes of of playing and ways of playing a game I'm seeing there. Anyone in recent memory that you want to particularly shout out as as being an inspiration for this? Well, I I I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Avery Alder. She's incredible, but she's a legend already. I, I, I think additionally, Jamila Najati is doing super interesting stuff. He's he's just like you know Apocalypse Keys is mm, mm-hmm. really great and really running with the idea of what if rolling a 10 plus in Powered by the Apocalypse is actually a bad thing or is, you know, unhelpful. And and, and that, that's just scratching the surface of what Jamie has been doing. Those are the two that come to mind first. But there's, oh boy, Jolie St. Patrick made this super wild game called The Dreaming Crucible. There's just a lot. Um, there's a lot going on and it's really great and itch you know itch.io is full of 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 designers them and and lots of other people 
Has there been any particular interaction or space or event? Like what, or I'm sorry, what was a sort of like first event that really made you feel like you were kind of home, if that makes sense, right? Home inside of, of this community. I, I, uh, I, I think both reading Monster Hearts and, okay. and, and seeing, um, seeing a lot of my own lessons reflected in those monsters and hearing mm-hmm. an actual play that Avery Alder did of Monster Hearts, I think it was on Plus One Forward. But just wherever it was, hearing an actual play with just so much both body horror but also good humor was just like oh this is a this is a place where we can experiment and and the stakes aren't too high uh, you know it's just mm-hmm. it's just friends sitting around a table uh, helping to tell a story together so i think i think that was uh, Monster Hearts was probably the first time where I was like, yes. There's also a, a great group here in Columbus called Story Games Columbus, and there's a lot of great queer folks who meet. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Once a month there, and not everyone there is queer, but but it, it was just really great to sort of see myself reflected um, in the folks around the table. I fucking love it. Also, hello, fellow Ohioan. I live over in the greater Cleveland area, so. But, wow, I I love 
all of that. It's, you know, I'm learning more and more every day about how to lift all ships in terms of mm-hmm. the new, you know, like you said, we're in a golden age of tabletop design, especially in the indie scene, but even mm-hmm. on mainstream levels, because we have stuff like the magpie success with the avatar, yeah. IP, right. Which is really going to start challenging the mainstream landscape. That's sort of like pathfinder and D and D hold for sure. Like I'm not, that might be an intuition thing. I don't have any access to any personal <laughs> numbers, but like it's moves like that that are going to start transitioning people into like, oh, what's powered by the apocalypse, right? And then start to explore more open spaces. And, you know, there's going to be some resistance from a lot of different angles on all sides. But I am a big proponent in this soon. I think it's fairly soon to come like modern RPG sphere. People are getting really uh, upset with the way that traditional excuse me, businesses have been acting traditionally for like the last mm-hmm. 20, 30 years in terms of hiring freelancers, interacting with POC or or queer communities, hiring those individuals, using those individuals, oh, tokenizing yeah. them. Yeah. I love that there's just this sort of like underground, I don't want to call it a resistance because it sounds like <laughs> it's hiding and it's definitely not hiding. Uh-huh. It's definitely something coming up from the grassroots, right? Yes, like, yes, thank you, yes. Yeah, and it's great. It's 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 so wonderful. And I know most role-playing games don't make any money. I'm certainly <laughs> nowhere close to making money, but it's... So it's hard for people to come up, and it's hard for people to... It, it, things can feel a little cutthroat, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's so... There's such a wider audience out there just waiting to discover role-playing games and... And, and I know they're going to have so much fun with it that I think it shouldn't be a problem to, like you say, treat people fairly and allow for more voices at the table. Mm-hmm. It's, we don't have to have a, a, a sort of scarcity mentality around this. Yeah, yeah. And I love that people are like making a space for themselves too, not just like mm-hmm. not just waiting for the permission of the pre-built tables, but also like, hey, this is my room. This is this is my dining hall. Every- <laughs> I created these seats for these people. Come and sit well, down, right? Like, well said. Yeah, I I'm a big, you know, there is definitely something for the accountability of major platforms that are that need to think about the diversity in their principles, values, morals, all those things. But I also think there's a, a sense of like, I don't, you know, as a as a black creator making this podcast i'm not gonna wait for permission from someone to like join the and no like shade towards them but like i'm not gonna wait for tabletop babble or like one shot network to pick me up so i can be famous Mm -hmm. or make money or whatever like i'll just wait i'll do my own thing i'll do it my way and when success comes in my version then i'll be more than exponentially happy about that and i i want that for a lot of people i want them to know that like like you said, sort of grassroots, like we're just, we're going to, we don't have to, we finally realize we don't have to bend to these larger powers. We have yeah. the ability to decide for ourselves, especially with all the modern tools laid out before us. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Oh God. Yeah. It's, I, I, I think you've got to be right that, that things are opening up and things are, getting better i love it i love it well that's gonna that's gonna bring us to about the 
the 60 minute mark here, Chris, is there anything okay. else you kind of want to touch base with here or how do you feel? I'm feeling pretty good. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't done a lot of these. It seems, seems pretty good to me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess um, the last thing is like you're, you're going to big bad con, right? So yes. And it's you... online only this year. It's a one, one day thing this year, but Whoa. I'm still so psyched. So right. like you have a kiosk be... or something. I do not have a kiosk. I'm just going, but I'm going to learn so much and I'm going to go to all the panels I can just soak in the community and, and, and all the, the love that I, I am expecting to find there and that I've already found Aww. in the community, the folks who are going there. I just, I just can't wait. I, I remember a couple of years ago, one designer that I followed, it might've been Avery saying, you know, I've been going to smaller cons like UConn and Big Bad Con and and as opposed to Gen Con and Origins and the payoff in terms of community has been so much better. Yes. And, and I will probably always go to Origins and Gen Con if only to see friends. Uh, but but I'm really looking forward to getting more into the smaller con scene where there's time to catch up with the creators you love. Yeah. And there's uh, a more heart to it and less just being crushed into a ballroom somewhere. <laughs> yeah. you know. A swirl of open wallets and, yeah, yeah, and backpacks. Yeah. yeah. So I, I can't wait. And so, so what's a kiosk at Big Bad Con? Is this a thing? You mean just like having a, a table? Yeah, like a table. Yeah, I've seen, what was it? Session Zero Online did like a kiosk thing, which was really cool. They used Gather Town to sort of uh, illustrate that. So I was just curious if Big Bad Con was doing something similar. It doesn't sound like the case at this Uh, point, but I am also really excited for like what does, because we've been forced to be home, right? For a year here in America, we've had to think finally for (laughs) the last (laughs) hundred years. And I would, Mm -hmm. I would be so interested to see how the digital landscape and how like, the scalability of conventions can really change. I'm sure there is. I've never been to a convention, but I'm sure there is. You know, it's like going to a concert. There's just a different yeah. energy when you're in a space with a ton of people who are all vibing with the same thing you're vibing with. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would I, love to see what that scalability looks like. I love the way at Gen Con, the whole downtown suddenly is in love with D&D and role-playing games <laughs> in general. And, and you get these fancy-themed drinks at the bars. And I love that stuff. And I, 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 and I love the... The I love sitting down at a table with a bunch of strangers to run a game or play a game. Yes. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like speed dating for <laughs> gamers, for gaming yes. groups. And I, I, it's funny because I think of myself as very introverted, but maybe there's just enough structure at a four-hour game session, game slot, that I can really let my hair down and, and be really genuine with, with you know, four or five other people. I, it's, it's fantastic. So yeah, I I love cons and I miss in-person cons and we're just going to have to be safe and and be sensible. But I can't wait to see what Big Bad Con does because every year they do something seems really special. So I'm sure that their online one's going to be special too. Yes. Yes. Uh, Also, (laughs) uh, not sponsored by Big Bad Con, but Big Bad Con, (laughs) if you're listening, I would love a sponsorship. That'd be sick. Uh, 
But I think I think that's <laughs> yes. going to bring us to the top here, Chris. I want to thank right. you so much for being here today. Thank um, you for having me. It's been lovely. Yes, of course. Of course. I'm glad you reached out. Everyone at home, real quick, Chris, would you just give an outro of places where people can get in touch with you, yeah. find your stuff, just in case they made it all the way here? Yes. Sky Pirates is at hecticelectron.itch.io, and I'm at hecticelectron.com, H-E-C-T-I-C-E-L-E-C-T-R-O-N. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at hecticelectron. Yes, and the Instagram illustrations are amazing. I love them. Thank you. Uh, So please go check those out. Thank you so much, everyone, for sitting down with us and learning from Chris, because I certainly learned a lot sitting here with him. And I hope that you will join us next time. Say bye to the people, Chris. Bye, people. Take care. Bye, people. Goodbye. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for taking the time to sit down and hang out with Chris and I. We really appreciate it. You can find links and resources down below in the show notes, such as getting in touch with Chris or other episodes with similar topics. If you want to be a part of the conversation, please come and join the Community Discord server. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Draw Your Dice Patreon, where you can get access to early releases of episodes from as soon as we interview. Thanks again for stopping by, and as always, I will catch you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.